0: Hey there, I'm Robin, Connections Pastor, and you're listening to the Sanctus Church Podcast. Our mission here at Sanctus is to glorify God by enabling people of all ages to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Let's prepare our hearts for what we're about to hear. Well, hey, Sanctus Church, Uh, my name's Lori Hartshorn and it's great to be with you today. Uh, I've been part of Sanctus Church, me and my family, for about 13 years now, and uh, five of those years I was on staff, so it's just really wonderful to be able to share with you today. Uh, This has been a great summer series, right? I hope you're enjoying your summer. I hope you're gathering around lots of tables and having great conversations and great food. I know that we are. And I've just been really enjoying this series as Jesus comes to tables and has conversations that really, they've moved us, haven't they? Um, well, today, we're going to go to a party. Now, I have to warn you, this party gets kind of awkward. Have you ever been to an awkward party? Uh, maybe it's that wedding, you know, where it's usually the best man. He overshares, and the parents are cringing. The crowd is cringing. It's just a little too much. Or maybe it's like my husband and I, Dean, a few years back, we were invited to a birthday party. And the theme was the 70s. Now, you have to appreciate, we lived through the 70s, so we know what it's all about. And they said to dress up in 70s apparel. Well, not only did we still have some 70s apparel, because, you know, we have a costume box, doesn't doesn't everybody? And we pulled out of our costume box our 70s look. Now, Dean, man, he had it made. He had saved his platform shoes for real, The real deal, platform shoes, the bell-bottom pants, the pointed collar, the gold chain. I mean, he just had the whole look right down. And of course, I had to do the big hair, the blue eye shadow, the plastic jewelry. I mean, just the whole 70s look. We were so excited for this party. So we arrive, we head up to the door and ring the doorbell and the host opens the door. Nobody else dressed up. Yep, it was Us in our 70s apparel. But I can tell you, I think those who did not dress up missed out on that party. We wore our 70s uh, outfits proudly throughout the evening and had a great time. Now, some of you may debate whether they missed out or not, but I think it's actually true that you can miss out on the party that's right in front of you. And that's what we're going to find today. We're going to go to Luke chapter 14, verse 1 to 24. And In terms of parties, this one gets incredibly awkward. We're gonna see many people miss out on the party that's right in front of them. So let's go, verse one. One Sabbath day, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Now here's awkward moment number one. You go to a party and you know you're not welcome and everyone's watching you. Now I maybe felt a little like that in my 70s apparel. This is a little different. These religious leaders, sure, they invited Jesus to the party. But it's not because he was welcome. They actually wanted to catch him doing something wrong. You see, they were watching him. He knew their heart. He knew what their motive was. So what did Jesus do? Well, he met their expectations. And he pulls quite the party trick between the cocktail and the appetizers. It goes like this in verse 2. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of the body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts of the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. I just love Jesus. He performs this miracle right in front of them. And honestly, you'd think they knew this guy was terribly ill. You'd think they'd celebrate. But no, they're more concerned with the day of the week It's the Sabbath, and Jesus has, in fact, broken a rule. Jesus doesn't let it go. He goes on in verse 5 and says, then he asks them, well, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Awkward. Jesus puts them on the spot. Come on, guys. If one of your kids or even your livelihood, your oxen, had fallen into a well, surely you would help them no response. See what's happening here? They are missing out on the party that is literally right in front of them. Jesus is showing them that their view of God is so messed up. They see rules. God sees people. And they are actually ironically missing God, Jesus himself, right in front of them. Here's awkward moment number two. He notices how people are jockeying for the best seat at the table. And he gives an extended speech telling off all the guests. Now, it'd be kind of like this. You go to a wedding and you come in the room and you see the head table and you like bolt for the front, finding your seat at the head table. Or maybe you pull up a chair at the parents' table. Totally awkward when your seat is actually at the back of the room. Well, Jesus calls them out on it. And then he says this. When you're invited in verse 10, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Well, again, remember, Jesus is speaking to religious leaders here, and he knows their heart, he knows their motive, and he points out their pride. They think they're the most important person in the room. They think they deserve the best seat at the table and they miss the party right in front of them. Why? Because they're proud. Jesus is just getting warmed up here, folks. He's gonna address the issue of pride versus humility more in this passage, but here's awkward moment number three. Ready for this? When he's done insulting all the guests, he turns his sight on the host and he tells the host to stop inviting all those who can reciprocate, those who are just like him. Verse 12 to 14 says it this way. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, what is he saying here? Catch this. How easy is it for any of us to just hang out with our friends, people who are like us, and to those who who are like us that maybe help elevate our social status, like maybe it's whose picture do you want to post on your social media to show like, hey, I'm hanging out with this guy? Jesus says, don't be like that. Invite those who don't have anything to offer you. Instead, he tells them, invite those in need, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And he continues to point out their pride and their exclusive mindset. I just want to put the brakes on here for a minute because we can think, oh, they're terrible. Like, that's awful they behave that way. But if we're really honest, doesn't this come kind of close to home? I think it's a challenge for us Christians as to the role of hospitality in our life. What do I mean by that? Well, it's about living an inclusive lifestyle versus exclusive. It's going out of our way to include others, especially those who don't know Jesus yet. When you think of hospitality, maybe you think about the Food Network the perfect presentation, the extravagant meals, you know, the picture perfect party. But hospitality isn't about that. It's simply about including people in your life. It's simply about extending yourself to others and especially to those who are in need. Jesus sets a wonderful example of hospitality. All throughout the scriptures, we've been hearing it, how he meets people of all walks of life at tables, in places and spaces to have conversation. Hospitality is not about being perfect. It's about being present. So let's go back to the party. By now, everyone had been deliberately insulted by Jesus at this party, but we're actually not done yet. There's one more level of awkwardness to come. Here's awkward moment number four. There's a, one poor guy at the party. He can't deal with the awkwardness anymore. He wants to break the ice. So he decides he's going to bring in a really deep spiritual conversation. And he says in verse 15, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Well, you'd think Jesus would say, finally, someone gets it. Yes, there'll be a feast in heaven. And let's talk about that. But see, this is what Jesus is waiting for. He's not actually a socially insensitive party guest. He wants them to see that they're missing out on the party that's actually right in front of them. They're missing out on him. For many, being a Christian is about the feast in the sky, the final celebration in heaven. And although that is true and that event will take place and we can look forward to feasting and partying in heaven with Jesus, the whole point is, We can live a Christian life and even be genuine followers of Jesus, and we're not actually enjoying the party right now. We're actually missing out on Jesus and what he is doing right now. So he tells us a parable. Now, whenever Jesus tells a parable, it's a story, and it's a technique that he uses to point out to each and every listener that God's ways, God's kingdom is so different than our kingdom and our worldview. And the purpose of every parable is to find yourself in the story. So as we listen to this parable, I want you to put yourself in the story. Ask the Lord sincerely to give you ears to hear. Who are you in this story? Well, the first character we meet is the party host. And often in every parable, the main character is God. God is the party host. So let's uh, find out what we learn about God. Luke 14, starting at verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Now, Jesus compares God to a man who loves to throw a lavish party. Jesus is giving us a glimpse of the party that God is inviting every single person to. And throughout scripture, actually, and we've seen, heard a lot of it this summer, that God is pictured as a one who loves to throw parties. He loves to feast on good food. Let me ask you, what's your view of God? Do you, is God a party-throwing God, or is God, God a party-pooper? He's just no fun at all. Like, God is a tightwad. He's stingy can I just tell you, you have a wrong view of God. God is the ultimate party host. God is throwing a party. And this theme is shown to us all through scripture. If we go back to the Old Testament, we see that God's people, the nation of Israel, were told to party. They were told to have feasts and regular celebrations. Why? Well, first of all, to remember what God has done for them. To remember that God has been so generous in rescuing them and saving them and providing for them everything they need. But the reason that he wants them to have regular parties and celebrations is so they'll remember who God is, that he's a generous God, that he loves to throw parties, that he loves to be generous and give and everything that we need and more. Well, in that culture, party invites worked a little different. It's similar today. The first invite would go out and people would RSVP. So they would respond as to um, whether they were going to come to the party or not. And then the party host would base the party on the number of people who said yes. Well, that's similar to today, but here's what's different. There was a second invite. A second invite would announce The party is now ready. It's time to come. The meal is prepared. The tables are spread and the servant would go out and they'd say, hey, the party's ready. Come and join us. One said it this way. Hear me, Jesus says, God isn't like you think he is. God loves parties and he loves it when everyone's invited. Right now, the Messiah, God's servant is sitting right in front of you, sending out the father's second invitation. Come, the party is about to begin. Now, remember, he's speaking to religious leaders in this time, good Jewish, religious, faithful followers of God. And they have said yes to the first invite, but they're missing the second invite. Jesus, the bridegroom, he's right here. He's right in front of them. The party is ready. The feast is ready. It's time to celebrate. Everything that they've longed for for years has arrived But they miss it. They miss Jesus. So the question is, why did they miss Jesus? And why is it that we can so easily miss Jesus? Well, we meet the second character in the story, and it's the person with excuses. Listen to what verse 18 says. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Wow. Think about these excuses. Clearly, they're too busy with their work or their relationships. Does that sound a little bit like us? Uh Uh-huh. We are so caught up in our own lives of work and of people that we can actually miss all that God has for us. Have you ever tried to avoid a party invite? Like maybe your response was the classic, I have to wash my hair that night, or uh, better still, you know, I, I'm, I'm working late that night, or I, I've got something else to do. I mean, really all these excuses, the truth is all we're saying is something else is more important than what we're being invited to. It doesn't matter what your excuse is. And this is how they miss Jesus. And this is how we miss Jesus. We are often so full of excuses because we're wrapped up in our own lives that we miss out on what God's inviting us to. Recently, I was having a conversation with somebody who uh, generally was interested in God, but their view of God was, well, I believe in God. And actually, I love the idea of God. And sure, I believe that Jesus you know, is, a, is God. They weren't quite sure about that, but they thought he was a good person. But they're like, so I make a space in my life for God. But this is what they were actually saying. And this is what I think often is our excuse box, our reason for missing out on God. And I, can, I uh, illustrate this as a compartmentalized life. Now I'm going to follow Pastor Sam here, giving you a, a picture illustration. This represents a compartmentalized life. And what my friend was saying to me was, yeah, I've got my, this is my life. I've got my family, my friends, my work, you know, maybe my emotional or mental health. Got my hobbies, my recreation, my entertainment. Got all my stuff and my money. Oh, and I've got a box for God. Yeah, like he, he fits right in here. It makes me feel comfortable that he has a place in my life. But you see, this is what we call the compartmentalized life. It's actually a fragmented life. And the bottom line theme around living our life this way is it's driven by pride. You know why? Because what we're saying when we live with a view of life this way is that we're in charge. We'll decide where God fits in our life. All these other things are more important or maybe as important, but every God does not impact all the areas of my life. I keep God in my box and the rest is up to me. Does that resonate with you? You know, like no judgment. I many times have caught myself living with a compartmentalized thinking. Somehow I've got a place for God, but everything else is up to me. It's fragmented and it's driven by pride. Let me show you what the invitation is. This is actually what God is inviting each and every one of us to. He's inviting us to the surrendered life. Now the surrendered life is simply this. It's saying, God, you can have all of me. I'm gonna place my life Inside of you, I'm going to give you my family, my friends, my finances, my health, my well being. I'm going to give you my spirituality, my idea about you, God. And I'm going to let you take charge of my whole life, every aspect of it. This is the surrendered life. And you know what happens? It becomes holistic. God loves every part of you. He's interested in every aspect of your life. And this becomes so freeing because guess what? You don't have to be all large and in charge. You don't have to be in charge of every decision, every single aspect of your life, stressing about this, that, and other. You give everything to God. Everything you put in your relationship with God. And this gives freedom John 10 10 describes this free life versus the compartmentalized life when he says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what a compartmentalized life will do. It will rob from you the joy, it will rob from you what God intends for you. But the surrendered life, my purpose, Jesus said, is to give you a rich and satisfying life. See, the enemy wants to steal from you, but God actually, he wants to give you everything. He's not a party pooper. He actually loves every aspect of your life, and he wants to, you to surrender it, to give it to him. And when you give your life to Jesus, all that is found in Jesus is called freedom and wholeness. This is the invitation to what God's inviting us to. This is the invitation to the party. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 7 outline it in such an extravagant way. And there's a few phrases that I'm just going to highlight that describe this surrendered life says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blesses with every spiritual blessing. He's not holding back because we're united with Christ. We are in Christ. Even before God made the world, he loved us and he chose us to be in Christ, this surrendered life, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He decided in advance to adopt us as his own family. We become his kids when we put our life in him. And This is what he wanted to do, and it gives him great pleasure. There it is again. So we praise God because he pours grace over us, and he's rich in kindness, and he brings freedom, and he forgives our sins. Do you see the difference? The compartmentalized life is full of excuses, and it's very weighty, where the surrendered life, puts your life in Christ, in God, and you'll find your life. God invites you to be his child. He invites you to be his son and daughter. He wants to give you everything and everything that's found through Jesus. And here is the most impactful thing that has kept me following Jesus for so many years, and maybe you've missed this. Do you know how much God loves you? John 17:23. Jesus is talking to his Father. And he says, I'm in them, Father, and you're in me. And my prayer is that they would experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, and catch this, and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. Did you ever think that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? I mean, just stop for a moment. Here you are trying to run your own life, thinking you're in charge. Why would you wanna do that when you can surrender your life to a loving God, one who cares about every aspect of you, and he loves his son Jesus so much, but he doesn't love him more. He invites us to be his child. And so we become united with Jesus. Jesus becomes our older brother. We become a sibling with Jesus. And God the Father wraps his arm around us and wraps his arm around Jesus. And he says, We're family, and I love you as much as I love my son Jesus. Wow. That is not a party pooping God. That is a God who has extravagant love and grace and goodness. And he is sad when we miss out on the party, he hates our excuses. So are you missing out? So what's God's response to all these excuses? Well, brace yourself because he's not happy about it. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house, this is God, he became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, Sir, the servant said, what you order has been done and and there's still more room. Then the master told his servant, go out in the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were, were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Wow, God is ticked off. He's ticked off because he says, I love you. I want to give you everything. This is the greatest invitation, the greatest party ever. And you would say, no? Well, here we meet character number three, the person in need. God's heart is so big, it's so full, there's no limit to his love, that he extends his invitation to absolutely everyone to come to the party. No one is overlooked, and especially to those who don't deserve that they should be welcomed at the party. They have no way of getting in. They can't reciprocate. Those that can't offer God or the host anything in return, they're poor and they're in need of healing. You see, the ticket to God's party is humility. The ticket to God's party, the tickets to a surrendered life is humility to say, God, I don't want to run my life anymore and I'm going to give all of it to you. I lay down my pride and I humbly surrender everything to you. That is the ticket in humility, but pride, it will keep you away. Our son, Curtis, was married, I can't believe it, it's been seven years, him and his wife, Sylvia, they now have two beautiful kids, and we were just uh, talking about his wedding the other day, and you know, when you're planning a wedding, you go to make the list of guests, and it's, it's rough, man, because there's so many people you'd love to have come to your kid's wedding, and they'd love to invite all their friends but you have to limit it. So anyone who gets on that guest list, well, it's a pretty honored place to be. So the invites were sent out and Curtis invited one of his high school buddies, someone that he'd skateboarded with and he'd hung out, for, spent a lot of time with. And he was so excited that his buddy was gonna come and even gave him a plus one so his girlfriend could come and they accepted the invite and he was looking forward to seeing him there and enjoying the party and celebration with him. Well, they didn't show up on the day of the wedding There was nobody in their seats at the table. They gave some kind of lame excuse that they had other things going on. Here's what they didn't understand. They didn't understand that first of all, it was an honor to be invited. And secondly, that their place was paid for. Everything was paid for. Everything was ready for them and they missed the party. And my son, Curtis was really sad and hurt by this. Let me tell you, Jesus, he's the, he's the groom. And his heart breaks when people say no to his invite. Jesus has paid the price for you to be at the party. In fact, the price was so high, it was his very own life. This is the greatest invitation at the greatest cost that you'll ever receive. So what's God inviting all of us to? He's inviting us to himself. See, he is the party. He offers you a seat, not in the back of the room, but at the head table right beside Jesus. He loves you as much as he loves his own son, Jesus. He wants to give you everything that's available to his son, Jesus. He wants to give it to you. He wants you to be part of enjoying your life with him in an intimate relationship. Don't miss out. This is the invitation, John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not pa- perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God invites us to himself, not because we're worthy, but because he paid for our place at the table. Here's the second thing. That God invites you to. He invites you to hospitality. I almost missed this. I thought the only part of the story was God doesn't want us to miss out on the party. He doesn't want us to miss out on him. And that is so true. And the people will make lots of excuses. And here's another thing. Even the crippled, lame, and blind, the needy who were invited, we're never told if they show up. So it really is our choice whether we say yes to his invite. But we meet a fourth character And the fourth character in the story is the servant. And here is one of the main points of Jesus' story. Don't miss this. He's telling us to be like the servant. Wow. See, what is the servant doing? He's serving the king, and he's enjoying all the benefits of the kingdom. And he shows us what true hospitality is. He's inviting everyone to the king's banquet. He's inviting everyone to God's party. And if you believe the gospel, if you're enjoying a relationship with Jesus and you actually believe it's good news and that the party is great, it is not hard to share this good news with other people. You want to be like the servant and invite everyone. You don't want anyone to miss out. Well, God's invitation to participate as his servant is right now. Yes, there is a big feast coming in heaven, and the guests pointed that out, but Jesus is saying, the party's right in front of you. Jesus is here now. God is at work wanting to do great things in your life. So the question is, what's your response? Are you invited but full of excuses? Are you too caught up in your own life? Are you thinking you're all large and in charge, that you? it's up to you to decide where God fits into your life? That's called compartmentalized thinking. That's religion, not relationship. The invite for you is to surrender your whole life, every part of it, to God, to a good God who loves you, who wants actually to bless and restore and heal every aspect of your life. Are you uh, invited but not yet responded? Maybe you don't feel worthy to go to the party. Maybe you don't think you deserve it. Let me tell you. The God, the greatest party host in the universe says, you are welcome. He paid for your place at the table. He's waiting and really wanting you to be there. He doesn't want you to miss out. So if you are, you can identify with being the person full of excuses and not really living a surrendered life, or maybe you've just never said yes to Jesus. I just want us to pause right now I want you to bow your head and pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for inviting me to your party, for paying for my seat at the table. I say yes to your invitation and welcome you to have my whole life. You can have all of me. Make me your child. No more excuses. No more running my own life. I surrender it all to you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for inviting me. I choose to follow you now in Jesus' name. Amen. If that was you, tell someone right now. Like, turn to the person that you're listening with and tell them, I prayed that prayer. Go, fill out our Connect card right now and tell us that you decided that so that we can encourage you to live the life that God has called you to live. But here's, I think, the second calling for many of you watching. God's asking each one of us to be the servant to live a life of hospitality, which is about inviting other people to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says it this way. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. This is our calling of our life. We get to be the servant. We get to be God's ambassadors in this world, sharing the best message, the best news of Jesus, the best party invite ever. So to you with excuses, come back to God. To you who felt unworthy to come to the party, come back to God. And to those of you who are enjoying your relationship with God, let's truly be a servant this week and let's extend an invitation to, to follow Jesus, to surrender our life to a loving and good God who wants to bless us and wants us to join him in the party that is happening right now on this earth and then in eternity. Well, Lord, make us your servants this week. Make us quick to obey. Help us to pay attention to those around us who are in need, even those who are full of excuses. Forgive us for living a compartmentalized life. We say afresh, we surrender ourselves to you, Lord. We want to serve you. We will be your ambassadors and we will share your good news and extend hospitality, the good news of Jesus, today and every day moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at sanctuschurch.com. There you can find ways to support our ministry and God's vision for this church. And last but not least, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified when another episode releases. May God bless you and keep you.